Sunday, November 15th. Welcome to a new episode of Bazaar. I'm your host, Sid, and joining me today is Anmol and Sadan, all the way from Bangkok. It's great to have you guys here. Hi, it's uh, great for us to be on the show as well. Yeah, it's great for us to be here as well. All right, so uh, this week, we are going to be talking about Jet Airways. And a couple of weeks back, there was news of a you know renewed interest to revive Jet. A consortium led by Calrock Capital and Murari Lal Jalan placed a bid to acquire Jet. And, you know, before we dive into the deal, we'll take a quick look at the rise of Jet Airways and its iconic fall. We'll also cover Jet's stock performance. And for those, you know, who, who don't know, who've not been following the stock, Jet's stock has been the world's best performing airline stock in 2020. Yeah, I mean, this is a bankrupt company that we're talking about. So, you know, to begin with, Anmol, when did the story of Jet Airways begin? Right, so we go back all the way to 1953 when the Air Corporations Act was established. So essentially what that did was it nationalized all air transport in India and it provided that all the air corporations that are established, it would be only done through the acquisition of existing airline companies. And that would, the, the thought behind it was that it would, it would improve operations of air transport services. So the two corporations set up through that act were Indian Airlines and Air India International, who then merged to become Air India, as we know it now. And the move was aimed at providing safe, efficient, adequate, economical and like smoothly coordinated air, airport, air transport services domestically and internationally. So by far reaching import, what the act essentially did was that it made the business of running private airlines completely illegal. So in my opinion, that move was a bad move because it undermined the benefits of giving any role to private institutions who might make the airline work better because they have the incentive for the airline to make a profit. And they can also create markets by pr- protecting property rights. So they can create markets by cooperating with other private airlines in the uh, international market. And they could also enforce contracts more regularly because, again, they have the incentive to do so because they will, at the end of the day, or they, they want to make a profit. Um, <clears throat> so economic entrepreneurs would seek profits and therefore they would seek to create value. So in 1992, this act was repealed. And the government announced an open skies policy, uh, which led to the liberalization of rules and regulations to open up the commercial civil aviation market. This led to the birth of many carriers uh, since then, including Modi Luft, Damania Airways, Air Sahara, East West Airlines, and Jet Airways. But sooner or later, these operators either folded their operations or merged with Jet Airways, which stood an efficient operator and gained market share with each passenger. Yeah. Um... And I think if you see uh, Jet Airways' uh, unique selling point throughout has always been the service that they provide to each customer. Um, It hasn't been about the cheap ticket prices, which other airlines uh, in today's day and age offer. It's always been about the experience from uh, going to the airport, uh, your stay at the airport, getting into the flight and um, going home. So we can see that, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, flying was considered a luxury rather than a necessary thing that people used to do. So people always wanted to get the most out of their time that they spent uh, in a flight or at the airport. So so Jet had services such as uh, gourmet meals in the air, which were really appealing. In today's flights, most of the times, you have to pay for any meals that you want to acquire. So Jet had meals 
included in their ticket prices, which also made the ticket prices more expensive. But people didn't seem to mind that uh, initially. Uh, Jet also provided customers access to um, good levels of comparable levels of service all across the world. Even in destinations where Jet did not have a hub, they would allow their customers um, or their passengers to access lounges for them to, you know, relax, uh, be comfortable before uh, getting on their uh, getting on a flight. So this kind of uh, basically this is what helped Jet to get 44% of the market share uh, between 2003 and 2004. So in 2004, a new 520 policy was announced, which the 520 policy was that uh, to, because even though with the open skies policy in 1992, the government did not really open up the commercial aviation market for international carriers to, like for Indian carriers to operate internationally out of India. So what that policy did was if you could prove to the government of India, to the Ministry of Aviation that you are experienced and you have enough of a backup or a like a supply so that would be if you have a minimum of five years experience and a minimum of 20 aircraft you could operate international flights so that's why it was called the five slash 20 policy and jet was a key beneficiary of this change because from the time of their inception in in the early 90s to 2004 they had really grown uh, big in the domestic market so this was the perfect time for them to go international yeah, because uh, Jet Airways ruled the ruled the skies for 13 straight years, and you know it also came out with its IPO back in February 2005, offering 20% to investors and raising around 350 million dollars, making Naresh Goel the founder of Jet Airways an instant billionaire. But you know, uh, I want to take a pivot here. In 2003, 2004, the cracks had started to appear, isn't it? Because uh, ever since the entry of low-cost carriers like Indigo, SpiceJet, Jet Airways had been constantly losing market share. So what went wrong for Jet? So um, I think uh, problems basically began for Jet uh, when they uh, were trying to um, aggressively expand, uh, especially internationally, overseas. And they acquired so many different uh, types of carriers. They bought 10 777s uh, in 2005, between 2005 and six just after they had purchased 10 Airbus A330 flights to expand into uh, long-haul international flights, long-distance flights, basically. And uh, it's one thing buying these uh, aircraft, but it's another also knowing how to efficiently uh, run them with um, smooth timings and also being able to maximize the profit and uh, the revenue that you generate from each of these aircrafts. Uh, they also tried to buy Air Sahara for uh, $20 billion, around, 20 billion rupees, uh, my mistake, around this time. But uh, the deal was called off because uh, there was many, there were many disagreements uh, for the price. And following, once this deal did not uh, work out, both airlines filed lawsuits against each other, seeking damages, which soured the relationship a lot. And um, you know, it made it really bad. So eventually, when uh, Jet did decide to buy Air Sahara, they bought them for 14.5 billion rupees, which is uh, around 209 million US dollars, which also was something that experts said was overpriced. So if the initial price of 20 billion rupees was overpriced, even when they purchased Air Sahara at 14.5 billion, people said it was massively overpriced. So basically a bad investment all in all. Um, and this turned out to be a very bad investment for them as uh, all the flights that Air Sahara had were old and the aging fleet, which basically Jet was forced to inherit when they acquired them. Mm. 
the and also the corporate culture of um, the employees, the staff, and senior uh, workers in Air Sahara. It clashed a lot with uh, how uh, Jet Airways operated because because each company had um, quite a big uh, contrast in terms of their core values. So in 2010, Jet was the largest airline in India on the basis of market share. But by then, they had already accumulated 9,000 crore rupees in long-term liabilities. Now, point to clarify that long-term liabilities are not a bad thing, especially not in the aviation industry, just because the prices of airplanes are so high that you're not expected to pony up $2.53 billion in cash whenever you buy an airplane. So long-term liabilities, if and when used correctly, can be a really good tool to help uh, for airlines to expand. Case in point, Delta Airways, who have more than $40 billion in liabilities compared to $60 billion in assets, and yet are one of the most profitable airlines in the world and also one of the largest uh, by their fleet size. So these long-term liabilities, we can't say they were an indication of things going down, but they, they did signify how Jet Airways were really ambitious and they really wanted to expand. But I think one thing that affected Jet Airways negatively there was the financial crisis, which really impacted the international demand coming down into uh, coming into India. Because as a reminder, they had only started operating internationally around four years ago. So they were still establishing themselves in the international market. And all of a sudden, in 2008, the financial crisis hit. People had less disposable income. So the international demand naturally went down. And right up until then, uh, right then, even though the... Um, Low-cost carriers in India were not such a big thing then, but Air Asia was still coming uh, up and about in the international market. And because Jet also operated flights within Asia to Thailand, to Vietnam, to Laos at that point, Air Asia was a big competitor for Jet then because they were all able to offer vastly cheaper tickets. And then after that, 2010-2011, Indigo started to dominate the Indian market with low-cost fares, no-frills services because they realized that the market sentiment was changing. The, in, the Indian market did not care for all the lavish services that Jet could offer. They just wanted to get from point A to point B, cheapest way possible, as long as they were safe. And of course, the airlines were safe because they were still being regulated by the DGCA. So this change in market sentiment was also partially influenced by the financial crisis. And what this meant was that Indigo became the largest airline in India by, uh, in terms of market share in 2012 toppling the king jet airways only two yeah. years only two years after jet had done the same i i agree with you because uh you know when you mentioned the no frills service that that reminds me because back in 2011 12 also i feel that the indian consumer is of such way that don't give me food on a plane i'll bring it i'll bring a tiffin with me i'll bring food with me yeah, don't give me food. don't charge me for food so you know that's i think that's how the mindset had changed people just wanted to get from point a to point b like you mentioned and also while we were discussing for the show you you told me that uh, jet almost ran out of cash in 2013 yeah so um in 2013 basically jet uh, were nearly out of cash and um, the uh, abu dhabi uh, aircraft company ethad airways had to bail them out by purchasing a 24% stake in the airline and their frequent flyer program, uh, they purchased a 51% stake in. Basically, without this, Jet was uh, Jet would have gone bust because they would have had no money anymore. So even um, they basically at that point had total current liabilities of around 11,800 crores, whereas their cash reserves were only 700 crores. So you can wow. see the huge difference um, of them being unable to pay even current uh, liabilities that were due. 
And in order for them to compete with the low-cost carriers that had started to take over the market, such as uh, Indigo or SpiceJet, etc., or AirAsia internationally, Jet had to reduce their prices while they also kept their services at the same level. So basically, while their costs remained the same, their revenue that was coming in or the profit that they would have generated would either decrease, in this case, them not having any profit at all. With high fuel prices and taxes, this basically further compounded the issue for them. Yeah, so even though Jet was considered to be a really efficient operator when they started, which can partly be attributed to the fact that back then they were only operating domestically, so there was just less of a mess. They, they were It was relatively simple compared to international flying, where you have a lot more regulations to deal with. You have visa issues for your employees. You have landing slot problems. So all of that adds up over the time as you operate internationally. So one of the things that I want to point out is that uh, pilots can only be certified on one type of aircraft. And because Jet Airways had such a vast variety of flights, mainly because they did purchase some of the aircraft themselves, and partly because when they bought Air Sahara, they also inherited their aging fleet. So because pilots can only be certified on one type of aircraft and Jet had a large variety of aircrafts, this meant that Jet had to <clears throat> he had to hire a lot of pilots to just for to keep all these aircrafts operational. So these different airplanes also required uh, more specialized maintenance crews depending on their age, uh, further increasing the costs. And another airline that's not doing well, who has a similar lack of fleet fluidity, is Air India, who also has a large variety of aircraft that they have accumulated over the years, which they're still running, even though some of their aircrafts are more than 20 to 25 years old. And now old aircraft are not a unsafe uh, aircraft, and old aircraft is not necessarily an unsafe aircraft, as long as you can perform the right maintenance on it, but it is an expensive one to maintain. Uh, by contrast, the well-performing airlines of this era have also have one factor in common, which is their fleet fluidity. Indigo, which is now the king of the Indian domestic market, only flies the Airbus A320 family and the ATR-72 uh, prop plane, whereas Spicer only flies the Boeing 737 family and the Dash 8 family. So this means that they can hire a smaller subset of pilots because if one pilot says, oh, I can't fly today, they can just get another one to sub in for them. Whereas in Jet Airways, it would take, it was a more longer and arduous process because they might have more pilots available, but that pilot wasn't certified to fly the aircraft. That might be the case. And another factor regarding Jet's fleet that increased their cost was just the average age of their fleet because Indigo and Spicer are much newer airlines than Jet was, Jet is. So they that's meant that they had a uh, younger aircraft and that in general requires less um, frequent maintenance um i mean by uh, february 2019 uh, jet airways only held 10 percent of the market share which goes to show how over the years they from being the market leader they only had 10 percent of the market share both indigo and spicejet operated and had more than 50 percent of the market but indigo had 43 percent which means um in fact spicejet also only had seven percent so the wafer thin margins, the heavy competition, all the tax uh, taxes being imposed by the government on aircraft fuel, airport cha charges, etc. Basically, this resulted in airlines turning com commercially unsustainable. And with Jet losing their market share over time and not having as many passengers because passengers would switch to low cost carriers, it compounded their problems over time. Yep, and we all know what happened in uh, April 2019. Jet grounded their airline. It was not in business anymore. And 
the fall of one of india's most successful international brands tell you that making money in the aviation sector is not easy there's there's a reason why investing veterans like warren buffett have you know through the years told that you know just stay away from this sector because it's it's not easy to make money in this sector and you need to just you know make that upfront investment and the returns are slow so you know the return on equity the operating margins all of that it does not work out and you know i know that if you if you have to make a long term investment and if you are not able to generate that return over period then you, you don't have a viable business so that, that these are some factors why uh, you know jet had to ground their planes into april 2019 i think the biggest of all was because because due to indigo and spicejet entering the market they they lowered their prices but they did not lower their costs and i think that's one of the most important reasons why jet failed because uh, you know you you got to make money if you if you don't make profits then uh, it doesn't make sense and i think jet was making a loss 8 years in the past 10 years it reported loss for the past 8 years so you know it just the cards unfolded and the domino just fell at once and it's interesting you also mentioned air india uh i'm i'm going a bit off topic here but the only reason air india is still operational is because the government keeps pumping the indian government keeps pumping the airline with money okay and this money is not free people like you and me are paying for it it's the taxpayers money which is being used here and you know this money could have been used better somewhere else but you know government of india they are feeling that you know we we got to keep this dead airline operational so they keep pumping money in this airline and that's the only reason why air india is still alive and you know this is another reason why the government should not be in the business of doing business according to me so uh, that's me rambling over here but you know uh, anyways it's been 18 months and jet might soon be back on the runways thanks to calrock capital and murari lal jalan these guys want want to revive jet at a time when global travel has taken a big hit i'm not a fan of this move i think this move could backfire very uh, badly for these investors but anyways what, what do you guys think like do you think a revival is possible in uh, like if you uh, if you see the current uh, fleet of jets aircraft spice jet has actually already um, taken over some of them the b737 family but but i don't think that's enough um, as what's basically needed is a new management that has a new vision for the airline and a big 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 infusion of cash um in order to keep the airline sustaining and uh, before any talks could even materialize all interested parties specifically put forward that they want the current person in charge Nareesh Goel to step down from his board position even Etihad Airways as previously mentioned who had who bought a 24% stake are reluctant to increase their stake due to their own uh, precarious financial positions largely owing to bad investments they made in certain airlines like Jet Airways Aer Lingus Virgin Australia etc and right now another thing that in my opinion the indian aviation sector in particular needs is just they need a lot of I think they need some new rules, some new regulations, because right now the DGCA and the Ministry of Civil Aviation they have a lot of discretion, which means that airlines, in order to get things done, they have to cultivate a lobby of bureaucrats and politicians to help the uh, lobby for them. Jet did the same thing when they were active, and depending on the circumstances, of course, return may have to do it again, which might not be easy because right now the market is more consolidated. If 
Indigo wants something to go its way, chances are it has a panel of people who are willing to go the extra step for them to do it. Um, I mean, you know, the current resolution plan, uh, which has been submitted by the group of investors who want to revive uh, Jet Airways, I think it's just going to prolong the airline's misery as, first of all, uh, they promised to invest 1,000 crores, which will not be invested at a single time. It will be invested in, uh, delivered in tranches, basically, part, uh, some part at some time and some part at a later time. So this kind of reduces the whole impact and the point of the cash infl- infusion itself. You know, 1,000 crore may seem like a large quantity, but when you uh, look at it in context of an airline business, in reality, it's not sufficient to revive a struggling airline business and basically start it from scratch again. Uh, You know, as a reminder, you can see they already have uh, more than 9,000 crores in long-term liabilities. So you can see uh, in context, 1,000 crores looks like a very tiny amount and may not help as much at all. So the investment consortium has no prior experience as well uh, in reviving any airline, let alone running one. So it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, go forward with this plan. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the deal in its essence, the banks are also taking a 90% haircut. Uh, I think they have the financial uh, lenders, they have around 8,000 crore of, you know, they have lent 8,000 crore, that liability is there and they're they are willing to take a 90% haircut in that and probably, you know, they also will get a 10% stake in the airline, in the revived airline. And Murari Lal, Jalan and Calrock will get a 90% stake. But like you said, uh, you know, I, I might sound like an outright bear, but I feel that these guys are just throwing money at this, you know, because for the next three years minimum, travel is going to suffer. Okay, because... Uh, People are not going to travel as much as they used to before the COVID pandemic began. Okay, airlines would have to operate at 50 to 60% capacity. That's not a capacity level where you make money. Okay, and we have no idea what direction the crude oil prices will move. So if, for example, in the next two or three years, crude oil prices increase, then, you know, at a 60% capacity, the airlines, it's going to be difficult for them to make money. So, you know, that's one thing. Plus, like you mentioned, the new investors have no idea how to run the airline business. So they have to probably, you know, retain the management, the top management or, you know, hire new people who can, you know, completely turn around the jet airway story. But again, you know, even after that, you have to negotiate with suppliers. You have to buy slots. You have to incur a lot of money. And honestly, a thousand crore is is not going to cut it. And I would not be surprised if Jet gets grounded again in a few years. Yeah, and even I'm optimistic when I say years. It could be months. I mean, going forward, just Jet needs to change its entire vision and USP because the current environment in the aviation sector simply doesn't allow for a luxury airline, so to say, to operate because customers and consumers were already leaning towards low-cost carriers before COVID. And now this will exacerbate the issue even more as levels of disposable income uh, go down and by uh, extension, the recreational travel also goes down. And trust in the brand of Jet itself has also severely decreased due to their insolvency as they're now considered to be less reliable by customers. Uh, I want to give an example that when in March, when uh, travels took a big hit where flight numbers, people, the seat operational capacity of flights greatly dropped, um, US airlines, uh, Delta in particular, they were able to get 
around five to six billion dollars in cash infusion simply by selling their miles, uh, their miles from the frequent fire program to credit card operators like American Express on the basis that they can off they can then offer the points to consumers as incentive to sign up for the cards. And even though the airline made a big loss in the first quarter, American Express still knew that the airline is reliable, its frequent fire program is reliable, and thus even they can stock up on their miles and it wouldn't hurt them. But would an Indian uh, financial lender or an Indian credit card provider be willing to do the same thing with Jet because their frequent fire program was a good program before uh, before they went into insolvency, the Jet privilege program. But I think that is representative of how the trust in the brand itself went down severely after the insolvency. So, I mean, in essence, Jet Airways failed because they remained a dinosaur in a growing market. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds for Jet. But what really shocked me was that the stock of Jet Airways, you know, it has been the world's best performing airline in 2020. And this is a company which is bankrupt. Okay, but the markets, they don't seem to care. And Jet stock has delivered more than 140% return for those who were bold enough to hold on to the stock. So what, what do you make of this insane stock performance? Um, I mean, as you clearly just mentioned, you know, the dramatic rise of the stock price. Um, however, this goes to show you that, you know, earnings growth has no correlation absolutely with the share price of appreciation of the stock. In fact, in most recent fiscal years, Jet Airways has failed to even break even. And in the last two years, Jet Airways stock price has fallen by more than 95%. So this goes to show you the staggering decline in its fortune, along with the loss of confidence of its shareholders. But at the same time, it's very difficult to make a conclusion on where the stock price will go, because even though it's been struggling and there's no reason to say that the company will, you know, revive and be successful again, the stock price is still done really well if you take it, uh, take this year into context. Yeah, I mean, not only the stock, the markets as well. I mean, it's hitting all time highs. And if you look at the fundamentals of the economy, the GDP is contracting, people are still losing their jobs. People don't have that level of disposable income to spend. You know, that, okay, I, I understand that, you know, the demand is getting back on track, but it's, it's irrational. And seeing the performance of Jet Airways, I can just clearly say that, you know, markets, you, you, you cannot predict what trend the markets are gonna follow. So don't try following the trend don't try to time the market and uh, you know i i was just thinking about it i think here's where people have missed the trick isn't it uh, when they are buying airline stocks don't buy airlines which are operational buy airlines which are bankrupt that's that's where you that's where the money is isn't it so so anyways uh, we will keep tabs on this deal we'll cover you know any updates that come in the next few months and probably, you know, I'll, I'd like to invite you guys back to cover the updates on this deal. And we'll see how this works out. Uh, forgive me if I sounded a bit harsh, but, you know, that's just my perspective. I, I could be absolutely wrong here. This deal could work out. Probably, you know, a thousand crore, like we mentioned, uh, I, I don't know, some kind of magic could happen. The vaccine uh, could work out. People could, you know, just start traveling in bunches and... Who knows? We, we we cannot predict the future. So let's see what happens. And uh, thanks, Siddhant and Anmol, for hopping on the show. I, I had a lot of fun doing this with you.
Thank you for having us as well. Yeah, we thank you for this. having us on the show. It was really fun talking to you. All right, guys, that does it for today's edition of Bazaar. People on the show may have certain recommendations to buy or sell, but don't buy or sell based on what you hear. Do your own research before you take any investing decision. Uh, you can reach out to us at thebazaarpodcast@gmail.com. We would we would love to know what you think of the show and you know how we can improve the quality of the content and you know what we can do to make this a better listening experience. So you know, just have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.